should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. JohnnyTShirt.com, of course, our sponsor, Duke 98, Carolina 96, Dewey. Uh, yeah, we've been doing this a long time. and We've been watching Carolina Duke for a long time. And uh, while I struggle for ways to describe what I just saw, um, nothing seems to ever really be surprising in this rival. Carolina scores... Um, well, Carolina goes up, I believe, five points with 16 seconds left in overtime. Duke somehow scores seven points in the last 16 seconds to beat Carolina. Your overall thoughts, man. It's just another uh, another L in a long line of just let's get this season over with type basketball games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just some crush – crushed for the kids for the players and um it's hard to fathom that not once but twice you could give up a sizable lead under 20 25 seconds whatever it was in regulation um everything that could have gone wrong in those moments went wrong obviously we missed a ton of free throws 17 or 18 of them and turned the ball over uh, we played so well for 37 minutes. Looked like a completely different team, like a team we've never seen, except for maybe I guess Oregon. Similar effort uh, and and look and feel, and um, to have it end that way is just so devastating. Uh, we can get into the refs and talk about that and individuals, and but you got to make free throws. You know that that's the biggest thing you can't shoot 50% or 55% from the free throw line in a game like this against a team that talented and think that you're going to win. Yeah. When you look at the stats, uh, Carolina shot more free throws than Duke, um, and made less Carolina 21 for 38 Duke 26 of 34. Um, you know, a lot of people think free throws are easy and you've been there and you, and you've, um, both taking them and been a part of games where this stuff is it's tough. But that being said, Carolina, like you said, mentions missed 17 in an overtime win. Cole Anthony, 9 for 10. Everybody else um, looking at the stats. Uh, Keeling was 2 for 2. Miller, Walker Miller was 1 for 2. Garrison Brooks, 0 for 5. Baycott, 4 for 9. Black, 2 for 4. Playtech, 3 for 6. I mean, those are. Those are things, especially, and I don't want to single out anybody, but there was a lot of free throws late in that ball game for Carolina that were, I don't like to use the word choke, but they were certainly uh, – You could see it on their face. They're nervous. I mean, 
Garrison's weren't even close. It's just astonishing how in the last couple of games, how poorly he shot from the line after he had a game earlier this year. What was he, 17 for 18 or something like that? Yep. And if you take Cole out of it, as you said, 9 for 10, that means the rest of the team was 12 for 28. 12 for 28 from the line. You can't win that way. But that being said, as poorly as we shot free throws, and a lot of those misses came late, Obviously, Garrison missed a pair late. Andrew Playtech missed a pair late. Leakey missed one or two late, I believe. Uh, Cole missed one or two late. Baycott missed one or two in overtime. Um, Walker did as well. What a tough spot for him to be in, by the way. Um, But all that being said, you know, with about three and a half minutes to go, and we're up 13, and the carry fouled out. They went to basically five perimeter players and played five out and singled out Cole on every possession. Cause they knew that he would not foul because he could not foul out of the game. We couldn't afford to not have him. And he had essentially to play matador defense. And so Jones just kept going at him and going at him and going at him, getting bucket after bucket, all twos. Um, I know O'Connell hit a couple threes, but all Joneses were twos. And then we would come down and miss free throws or turn it over. And so then people can say, well, I wish Coach called timeouts. He called two timeouts. Why didn't he put somebody else on Jones then? He did. Keeling guarded him and got taken to the rack every single time, either bucket or foul. So we had so much foul trouble, so many guys with four, that no everybody was afraid to, to really dig in and stop the basketball for fear of fouling out. And that allowed them to score – so many easy buckets and not only easy buckets, but all of them in like five seconds on the shot clock. Um, so they were scoring without running any clock off. So it just was an endless last set of regulation and also last 30, 40 seconds of overtime because we just, we refused to stop the ball. And, uh, you know, they were trying, they were switching screens and everything, but, Make a free throws, get a stop or two, and you win by double digits. Simple as that. Yeah, watching the game, I mean, it sort of reminded me, I can't remember the exact year that, um, you know, Krzyzewski plays the pro game. I mean, he plays the ISOs more than any college coach out there, and he did it several years ago. I can't remember. It's like Brandon Ingram's year, I think, for Duke, where they just totally ISOed everybody and went at Carolina. But looking at this game, Let's talk about the good things, Dewey. I, I thought Carolina um, attacked early, and I thought Cole played under control. You know, he had a couple drives where um, normally Duke draws a charge, but there were blocks, and they were definitely blocks, but Anthony took advantage of them. But Carolina played the game that they're capable of playing early and be, building the lead. And I think that, that watching that gives – um, Carolina fans some hope. I mean, this season, let's be honest, is um, virtually lost at this point. Uh, you know, I don't see how they make the NCAA tournament without winning the ACC tournament. But um, I, I thought Carolina did a lot of good things. Brooks has been um, not pleased with his touches the last two games. He was 9 for 12 for 18 points, uh, five rebounds. Um, your thoughts, at least until it collapsed for Carolina, about how they approached them. I mean, that's the team Roy Williams said in the postgame, this is the team I expected to see all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got that. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw um, before the ends? 
That's right. I mean, the just the first four minutes, you could see an activity level on the defensive end that just flat has not been there. Uh, the attentiveness, the aggression on the defensive end, being in passing lanes, pressuring the ball. Even the commentator noted, look how far out Carolina's pressure has pushed the Duke offense. When has anyone ever said that of late? You know, we were dictating the game defensively by how hard we were playing, communicating, cleaning the glass, and we got out in transition. I think we had 11 fast break points in the first half. And uh, we played great. We played great for 36 and a half minutes. There's no other way to put it. Played hard. The grad transfers played great. They did what we need them to do, which is make shots. Leaky was assertive all over the court. Triple-double threat. Both of our bigs played well, and Cole was our leader. And we got contributions from other guys. Playtech, he played great. Played his ass off. And uh, it's like we watched two basketball games. We watched the first 36 and a half. And then we watched the rest. And, uh, I, you know, and I, I take that back, actually, because then we got down by five in overtime and showed a lot of heart and gumption and came all the way back to go up five, right, with 15 yep. seconds left. Yep. And then somehow catastrophically lost that game. I mean, it's like uh, it's like our win years ago. Eight points, 17 seconds. The same thing. They scored seven points in 15 seconds. You know, we foul the, foul the guy driving. Stupid foul. Just make him shoot a jumper or don't foul. Then, obviously, the inbounds play to play tech, which was unquestionably a foul. Billis was very clear about that. Uh, I'm interested on why they couldn't call that a jump ball. Because while there was not indisputable evidence that it was off of Duke to overturn the call on the floor, which was Duke ball, why could they not say there's no way to tell who this is off? It's a jump ball. I know they can't go back and retroactively call a foul, but why couldn't that be a jump ball? In which case, possession error was ours, and we would have got the ball. But instead, they give them the ball. Jones penetrates again, travels. Call foul, which was probably a foul. Could have gone either way. You like to see them swallow their whistles down the end there, but they didn't. Misses one of the free throws. We don't box out Garrison. Loose ball, scramble, scramble, scramble. He fires up an air ball. Okay, you think we're going overtime. And then Moore swoops in and lays it in because Keeling is caught staring at the basketball and doesn't box out. I mean, it's just – it's. listen to everything I just said. It's ridiculous. We have to work to lose ball games like that, and Carolina has done it all year. Uh, you know, don't really have a whole lot to talk about, but let me ask you: as far as uh, this season's not over, Carolina's got what nine ball games left, and and we've talked in these post game podcasts. How do you keep coming back from these type games? Well, uh, this is the Duke game, and it's at home. So talk to me about, as from a player standpoint, I mean, how do you keep getting up and coming back for it? I know it's your, and whether people don't want to think of it that way, but it's your job, you know, as a college basketball player, it's your job to get ready to play the next game. Um, even though you're a quote unquote student athlete, how do you, how do you keep coming back? How does Roy Williams keep 
getting his guys prepared to play the next one. Uh, I mean, whether, yeah. whether you want to or not, you got more games to go. Including, yeah, you got to go play. It, it, yeah. It, How do you yeah. do it? Well, he did it for this game, right? I mean, the other side, people are going to say, well, you know, it's easy to get up for the Duke game. But we were so prepared, so mentally focused. And for everybody that wants to uh, give Coach a hard time for certain things, you also have to give credit where credit's due, that he had him ready to play fantastic. Because my opinion coming to this game was we were either getting blown out or we were going to win. I didn't think there was a I didn't think there was a close one in this. And for the most part, we were we we were getting ready to win, obviously. And coaching has a huge part of that. And I'm sure if he watches the film, there are things he'd go back and do different, but you know, he did everything that people love to say on the message boards. Call more timeouts. Okay, he did. He called them all. Um we simply did not step up to the free throw line and make shots. And the one thing we haven't said and it should be said, is Cole took a couple questionable shots early in the shot clock. And he had broken the press, but he was so sped up. And he took those floaters when really the right thing was to bring the ball out, run some more clock, and try to get a good shot. Even if we didn't get a good shot, you ran that much more clock. But the quick shots are almost like turnovers when you miss them. And then they came down and and were able to get points almost every time. So, um he, there's no quit in him. Um, what sucks is the players are going to feel like they're being pitied because everybody's going to feel so bad for them. When you see people tonight, tomorrow on campus on Monday, that kind of thing, everybody feels bad for you. And that's an awful, you don't want to ever be in that place. You don't want pity. Um, so maybe that'll drive them. You know, coach will be right back motivating and ready to roll. Cause there's no quit in that guy. Um, and like I said, you had him ready to play tonight. I know I know who the opponent was, but uh, we've not come out for every game ready to go, uh, much to his chagrin. And uh, they were ready to play tonight. I think they'll be ready to play the rest of the way. They'll be ready to play over at their place in a couple weeks. And you just see what you can salvage. Dewey Burt, I'm Tommy Ashley. You've been listening to JohnnyTShirt.com sponsor of the inside carolina podcast post-game podcast of course johnny t-shirt on franken street and online get your 10 percent off your order if you're a carolina inside carolina premium subscriber dewey um i'm gonna ask you a question i don't normally ask you as a former player how tough is it to watch uh it's just it's devastating i mean i think we all who watch feel the same way um you know, you feel like the deepest pit in your stomach. I think the difference is, as a former player, is you know what that locker room looks and feels like. And that that's the unique part, is you know the, the deathly silence that's in that room when you go in there, uh, everybody head down, guys crying, and then coach has to walk in and come up with something to say. And as I've said many times, every time we lose, he's in tears too. So, you know, coach says this often. Think about how much you care as fans and how much you feel like you've invested, quote, invested into this. And it's not even, you know, uh, pick your euphemism. 
it's not even close to the littlest bit of what these guys have invested. And so think of it how it feels for you and just multiply it exponentially because when all of us, and I'm not a player anymore, were doing whatever we were doing all summer, all fall, enjoying the weather, going to the beach, doing that. These guys were in the gym. They were lifting. They were pushing cars. They were running sprints in the 100-degree heat. They are shooting 500 shots. And uh, it hurts a lot worse when the amount of work has gone in and you don't get the result you feel like you should. It's just – it's a different deal. So uh, I just yeah, – I can picture it. I, I can picture my locker room. 2007 against Georgetown when we were done like I like I could step back into it and uh it's the worst it feels like you don't like relating it to this but it feels like a death that's what it feels like when you lose a a brutal game like this so they're young they'll bounce back and uh, hopefully people go easy on them on social media and uh gotta get ready to go next week Dewey Barrick I'm your host Tommy Ashley thanks Dewey yep Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.